What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 76, and we'll be talking about Stargate's... You know, I didn't even say uh, anything fun about uh, episode 75, and that was kind of a big number. You know, I noticed that as I was typing this up, that last time yeah. was 75, and that's kind of a big number, and we didn't say anything. We didn't so, say a thing. So Anyway, all right. This is episode 76, which is not that big of a number. We'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, The Curse. To be fair, it is one bigger than 75. This is a bigger number than 75. There you go. Okay. Uh, we're... <laughs> If you like this nonsense, we're an independent podcast, and you can help keep the thing completely independent. <laughs> you can find us on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. Um, we got some uh, lovely tiers on there that give you the opportunity to make some votes, which will force recounts. Uh, we send out those votes, I think we said once a month, right? And yep. so, I need to send uh, those out. I'll do that probably later today. Hey, thanks. I appreciate, actually, deeply appreciate you taking care of that. For real, because that's I've got seven zillion things going on right now. So anyway, uh, every dollar that is being contributed is going towards Zach's computing device, which uh, will be our goal until it is done being paid yeah. for. Woo-hoo! And yeah. uh, so all that jazz is super duper 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 appreciated. Thank you very much for all of our contributors. Um, and so, you know we're Brent, still in kind of you know yes, what makes Zach. you know what makes that that target number of that computer a lot easier to reach what a makes that uh, easier payout to from the government. Oh, so yeah, but you know, I mean, like we said, a, I still think that the goal should be the goal because oh, uh, it, yeah, it's a nice, solid, easy to define friends. What are you doing when you're giving money to Patreon through our other thing? You are helping Zach with the device. Like, I think it's just a nice, tidy, nice little thing. That's but yeah, fair. I hear what you're saying. That's that, fair. that does help. Oh, um, you know, stimulus you know, checks help. That said, there there's also that. plenty of other uh, technical things. Uh, a new mic. I would love to get a new mic and a new mic stand oh, yeah, and, and things like that. Mic, actually. So, yeah. so there yeah. are plenty of things like that 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 uh, Patreon dollars can help us with as we Point continue being, this prog- progress. We are doing this out of the uh, because we love doing it, and if you love hearing it and you want to throw dollars our way, it's being used for the art of the show itself. So True it's all story. happiness and goodness and awesomeness on that regard, which is great. And if you ever say to yourself, I hope they don't do that thing where they take their content and they put it behind a paywall so they can never hear from it again. Have no fear, friends. Um, For as long as I'm a part of this podcast, I'm going to be insisting that we continue to post our stuff up for everybody to be able to see, to see, 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 to see Zach. Sure. You can see podcasts. Yeah, you, you, you can. Um, yeah, you don't. That's not how you enjoy them, but whatever. So for anybody to enjoy uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, your podcast aggregators, the whole nine. Um, yeah, we're going to be having some funsies stuff on our Patreon feed when we kind of get that sort of fired up. Uh, but then after a while, we'll put it on our main feed anyway, because, you know, why, why, why be why be selfish? I, you know, if we're in it to be selfish, we're in it for the wrong reasons. But uh for that little extra special sauce about the apple podcasts uh remember friends every time that there's a review on apple podcasts we will do a dramatic recreation of it speaking of i i i only listened to the last dramatic recreation when i was doing it in production and i didn't listen to it afterwards i hope it turned out okay um hey brand i'm putting you on the spot aren't i yeah <laughs> <laughs> i haven't listened to our nope, podcast it's in all a while. good 
<laughs> it's all good. It's there are lots of good. things. So I'm like, oh, I should totally listen to that because I'm just curious oh. how that turned out and all this stuff. Yep. And I'm like, I, I've been so busy lately. Uh, oh, and I, I can you and me both. Barely, you know, stand oh, upright. Yeah anymore so um so friends uh if uh, if there was anything weird about our audio at any point just just let us know because <laughs> <laughs> we kind of rely on you for that one um zach if they wanted to let us know if there was something weird about our audio uh how might they do that well you could easily get a hold of us in a number of ways and the number of ways is in fact four there are four ways to get a hold of us <laughs> three shall be the number of thy count and the number of thy counting shall be well, in this case, four. Four. Although, don't use Patreon to get a hold of us very often because, well, you can. If you're a Patreon so you can. subscriber, you can. You can do it. You can. So, one is Patreon, patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. You can also go to our Facebook page or Facebook group, Walking Through the Stargate. Uh, it's the same for both of those. Go ahead mm-hmm. and hit that join button on the group. Go ahead and hit that like and follow button on the uh, uh, Patreon, uh, no, what, I can't, on the, the page. I can't talk today, Brent. My no brain. worries. Oh, okay. So uh, we also have Twitter at Stargate Walking. Uh, that's S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E-W-A-L-K-I-N-G. At Stargate Walking. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, um, well, you know, that's anyway, good. yeah, yeah. Stargate Walking. Um, I was trying to make a pun on like Christopher Walken when I made that two oh, years ago. Yeah, yeah. By the way, we've been podcasting for almost two years, Brent. I know. I know. All right. Wow. Okay. So I know. <laughs> last week was the episode on tangents, Brent. Uh, no, Zach. Every week is an episode on tangents. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so now that we have had the episode on tangents, anytime we go on a tangent, we can actually legitimately say the tangent is part of the Stargate universe. Yes. So there yes, you go. Because it, it is it is actually canon. Yes. It is canon. Okay, tangent. All right. Anyway, you could also email us at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. That's W A L K I N G T H R O U G H D H E S D A R G A T E at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, so get a hold of us. Tell us uh, that our audio is wonky. Or tell us that the audio is wonderful, <laughs> or tell us what you think about the upcoming episode, or tell us what you think about a previous episode, tell us uh, what you think about whatever, you know, we can be Stargate related. Yeah. You don't have to talk to us about Stargate things, although you certainly can. Um, you it's know, generally whatever. what we do, yep. yeah. I mean, but, you know, well, no, Ha! Let's be frank, Zach. Um, well, I mean, you're Zach. I'm Brent. Neither of us are Frank. But um, the, uh, the the I the know fact somebody that named talk- Frank. Does that count? Yes. It okay. Counts. Um, uh, that we we managed to bring in an awful lot of different things when we talk about Stargate. So hey, your email can be about something different, and we can probably find a way to bring it into Stargate. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. So with all of that, Brent. Mm-hmm. Uh, since we don't have any uh, reviews to make a dramatic recreation. By the way, if you are a, an, inter- an oh, international right. listener, yeah. uh, we don't have access to the Apple podcast reviews from other countries. So if you have filled out an, uh, a, a review in those places, go ahead and take a snapshot of that and email it to us uh, and let us know. And we will definitely give you that uh, dramatic recreation. And I really, really, really want this to happen because I'm totally, especially if it's in a different language, because I'm absolutely going to jam it into Google Translate, and I don't care what gets spat out by that robot, that's going to be the script. <laughs> there it's going to be great. It'll be awesome. So seriously, though, if you make a review and it's in another, if it's in another language in another country, 
purposefully try to come up with idioms that mean that make perfect sense in in your native tongue that you know are going to be a screw up on the translator we'll have fun with this one it'll be great yep absolutely so that is an open invitation to you all international listeners Mm -hmm. uh okay so uh after having gone on numerous tangents there shall we dig into the curse which, yeah. you know, because when you take tangents, naturally you're going to hit a curse at least once in a while. Yes. Are you trying to make a curve joke? Uh, I have no idea what I'm trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get into punchy. this, Zach. <laughs> I haven't even been drinking. <laughs> I've had some coffee. <laughs> oh, I've had coffee. But that's it. All right. That's so, all. All right, let's do this. The Curse is directed by Andy Makita. This is Andy's second episode as director for SG-1. He does a lot of stuff in the production, the camera stuff, and mm. design and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is his second directing uh, job for Stargate SG-1. He has 29 more episodes total over the course of oh, wow. the series. Yeah, okay. Uh, and that does, I believe, uh, go all the way through the 10 seasons of Stargate SG-1. Mm. And mm-hmm. probably into Atlantis, though I didn't check those out. Uh, he did his first directing appearance in Stargate was Foothold for season three. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if you want to know more information about Andy, you go ahead and re-listen to Foothold, and you can get more information there. Yeah. The teleplay for this episode is by Joseph Malozzi and Paul Mully. This is their fourth episode of seven episodes this mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already seen them in Window of Opportunity, Scorched Earth, Point of No Return. And then, of course, we've got The Curse and three more. Already, you can feel their presence in the writing room and, and uh, in the storytelling of, of Stargate. And that will yeah. only grow as the series progresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have a few guest actors that uh, I want to make note of. Uh, first of all, we'll go with Anna Louise Plowman. She played Sarah Gardner or Osiris at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, Plowman is a graduate of the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts, uh, and she was originally from New Zealand. She worked in theater, film, television in London, Tokyo, Hong Kong, Dublin, Sydney, Paris, all sorts of places. Mm-hmm. Um, her first acting credit came in 1995 when she played Beverly in an episode of the TV show Faith in the Future, which I did enough research to know is actually a sequel Uh, of another series that came out earlier in the 90s or late Mm -hmm. 80s. Um, But Beverly was just a one-off character in that show. So that was her first show uh, acting credit in 95. Uh, There's lots more to look know about her if you go to IMDb, so go ahead and check her out. Uh, Mm -hmm. We will, uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler perhaps, but we will see Osiris again. I don't know if that's really much of a spoiler. Several times. She comes oh. back several times. Well, I mean, okay. We'll get into it when we get into it, but uh, that doesn't shock me at all. There you go. Uh, we have Ben Bass, who plays Dr. Stephen Rayner. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben was born on August 14, 1968 in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, he's an actor known for The Bride of Chucky in 98, The Sixth Day in 2000, and Barry the Lead in 2002. Uh, this is his only Stargate credit, so uh, we say hello and goodbye to Ben. Uh, hello, goodbye. His first acting credit came apparently. in 19... 19- <laughs> Sorry, apparently he bled out. <laughs> That's terrible. I should not make that joke. No, That's a terrible joke. He didn't joke. die. They saved him. 
we don't know that. Well, if, if they left right away, they could still save him. That that was uh, Frazier's last All statement. I'm saying is that we don't see him live. So if you can't, if they fall down a cliff and you don't see them die, they're going to come back. And if he's bleeding internally and you don't see him live, well, well he's not going to come back. Well, whatever it is, suffice it to say, um, we don't see Dr. Stephen Rayner again in the series. We'll, we don't know what happened to him. Maybe, maybe after all of this, <laughs> he decides to, to move to uh, Oklahoma and buy a ranch. <laughs> <laughs> Where the wind comes sweeping down the plane. <laughs> exactly. Oh, sorry. Uh, Tangent. Right. <clears throat> so, Let's bring it back. Uh, Ben's first acting credit came in 1987 when he played the character of Leonard in an episode of 21 Jump Street. 21 Jump Street was Peter DeLuise's show in the late 80s and 90s. Um, and that's oh, also that's the right. name of the show that I think last time. I was desperately trying to remember what that show was, and I couldn't. Right. That cop show where Street. I was like, Turner and Hooch, and you're like, no. No, it wasn't Turner and Hooch. <laughs> um, you're very kind to me, Zach, for letting me just be like, I know a thing. We got we, a taxi cab. You're like, that's not even a police show, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Chips. And it's not even called taxi cab. <laughs> Chips. <laughs> that is at least... That is at least a, you know, cop show. Oh, my gosh. All right. Okay. I, I'm going to stop. You, you carry on. I'm going to okay. stop interrupting. All right. All right. So I have um, one more actor to talk about for this episode, which is Lorena Gale. She played the curator. Uh, she was just in that one little scene there about midway through. She was born mm-hmm. uh, May 9, 1958 in Montreal, Quebec. Uh, mm-hmm. She is an actor known for Freddy Got Fingered in 2001, Halloween mm-hmm. Resurrection in 2002, and The Butterfly Effect in 2004. Now, all mm-hmm. that said, I recognize her most readily from the Battlest- from Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, Galactica, yeah, where she played yeah. Alosha, which is um, the the priest or priestess yes. or whatever uh, for most of that series. Um, yeah. And, and she did a darn good job of it, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she also played the character of Joyce Heth in both Barnum in 1986 and P.T. Barnum in 1999. Um, huh. Okay. Huh. So I find that interesting. Uh, that is, uh, were those, I don't know. I, was I, about to, I didn't okay. look There's close n- enough to know if those are actually, they're just two different movies about obviously the same person, uh, or if there was some sort of... Uh, you Continuity. Know, continuity there between those two see uh-huh. movies i don't know um but the the way uh, imdb talks about her playing the character of joyce heth in both of those suggests that they are two different stories about the same guy mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. in continuity and she played the same character in, in both of them right which is kind of fascinating great uh Agreed. she's got guest actor she's a guest actor in dozens and dozens of shows throughout her entire career uh, sadly, she died in 2009 in June uh, in Vancouver, British Columbia, at the age of 51 after battling throat cancer. Mm, 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 mm. So, Bummer. Yeah. Uh, the original air date for The Curse is September 22nd, 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one on the charts was still music by Madonna in the U.S., and yeah, was still yep. Lady Hear Me Tonight by Mojo in the UK. Ah, gotcha. So they were still listening to the same things for a long time, relatively speaking, in those so places. In, 
interestingly, so quite a while ago when I would find the audio for these episodes, I will, uh, how, how shall I describe it so that I don't, I don't know, incriminate? I don't know. Do I even care? I don't know. Anyway, all right. So quite a while ago, I would be able to find the audio in ways that did not necessarily require me to purchase the song. And then I couldn't. And I'm like, eh, I'll just buy the song. Come on. I can do that. So I have been. Okay. And then the past two weeks, um, so it was A1. <laughs> the the YouTube video for A1's um, um, uh, uh, take, take on me is pretty great. It's pretty great. If you've got some time to watch that YouTube video, it's, so the one I'm thinking of is running about six minutes long, and it was sort of like a making of video of okay. showing them making the and it was you know these kids are teenagers and it's their first single and it's like they, it's it was pretty great and it starts off with them being in the, like their like early 20s and all like sage like talking about how they were like such kids back then it's very it's great it's great it's great i i highly recommend watching it it is a great terrible video okay um but i couldn't find i couldn't find the song to buy like literally buy i could find the group they're still around they're still making albums sort of but i couldn't find that single uh and then last week same thing i mean like there was a compilation that i thought maybe was it and it turned out it was close enough but i still ended up having to but the point is is that we're getting into this weird realm zach where like these are number one songs from not that long ago and i can't I can't find them on iTunes, which is weird. I mean, there's probably other ways to get a hold of it, but yeah. anyway. Well, that is, that is kind of odd. Um, it does, I guess, point to the fact that just because you're a number one song for a couple of weeks 20 years ago does not mean that you're actually playing music that is uh, culturally purchasing. valuable <laughs> for the long haul. <laughs> Especially take on me. I mean, it was fine, but it was such a... It was it was a very uninspired cover. It was the song with a dance beat on it, like, and it had a pretty up tempo beat to begin with. I mean, uh, they, anyway. So, yeah, um, while we maybe or maybe not listen to music or lady here Probably tonight, um, <laughs> we do have some episode, some episodes, some movies in the box office. Number one at this point in time, um, we have Urban Legends. The final cut was number one. We have The Exorcist, the 2000 director's cut is number two. Uh, when did The Exorcist actually originally come out? 76? Yeah, so, so this is the director's cut from 2000, and this is number two that weekend. So you can just imagine how not a whole lot was happening this weekend, especially mm-hmm. since number three, Almost Famous, was original. Well, well, the previous week was eight. So the number eight movie of last week bumps up to number three this week. Gotcha. Uh, Bring It On uh, was number three last week, is number four, and The Watcher, which was number one last week, is now number five. So this was uh, not a weekend for watching a lot of movies, I don't believe. Well, it's getting close to Halloween-ish. Yeah. So that's why we got these uh, we got these horror films that are kind of popular. That's By true. the way, Exorcist was 73. 73. Okay. Oh, yeah. Also, this was the time of the Sydney Olympics. I think I mentioned that last time. Oh, that's right. So that's right. with that going on, at least in this country, uh, at that point. People time, are like, who cares? Been... Who cares about movies? Yeah, no, no, I just want to watch the Olympics, man. I want to watch people pole vault. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So what happened on at this time? Aside from the Olympics going on, very little was happening at this point in time. Mm. Mm-hmm. A couple of days before, on September 20th, the British MI6 Secret Intelligence Service building was attacked by a Russian-built Mark 22 anti-tank missile. 
So wow. the Russians are spitting at the Brits. Um, I don't remember that at all. Well, you know, that's because it was secret. It's only yeah, recently know. been unclassified. I have no idea. Can you? Can you? Yeah, I don't know if, if if you hit a building with an anti tank missile. <laughs> Shh. You know there are all what sorts was that? of examples. It was a cow. There are all sorts of examples in science fiction, Brent, when whole buildings go missing. Oh, it's true. And it's true. nobody seems to. You know, there, there's at least That's enough right. of a right. cover story. Maybe this is, maybe it was aliens, and they just maybe blamed the Russians because it was convenient to blame the Russians. Good point. There you go. The Gould, they're real. It was the Gould. You got it. Yep, there you go. Uh, September 25th, <laughs> a couple of days after this aired, the American yep. basketball player Vince Carter jumps over the seven foot two Frederick Weiss in uh, uh, in the 2000 Summer Olympics, and this is known in French as oh, I'm going to so butcher this, and I'm sorry, le dunk de l'amour, uh, the dunk of death, the dunk of death. <laughs> so good on you, Vince Carter, for jumping over a seven foot two man to dunk the ball. That's impressive. The dunk of death. That is yeah, agreed. Um, and then finally, uh. September 22nd, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the September 22nd is, in fact, the birthday of not one, but two famous hobbits. Oh! Bilbo that's and right. Frodo Baggins. That's right. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to the Bagginses. What's in the Bagginses? Uh, <clears throat> sorry. All right, so we do have some trivia yeah. for this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dr. Stephen Rayner played by Ben Bratbass, mm-hmm. is named in homage to the DC Comics Green Lantern character, Kyle Rayner. Oh. And it's not the only Green Lantern reference in this. In fact, um, you've got Dr. David Jordan, named after Hal Jordan. You've got mm-hmm. Dr. Sarah Gardner, named after Guy Gardner. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, the expedition that goes down is called the Stewart Expedition, and that's, uh, I believe that's John Stewart in uh, the Green Lantern world. I could be, Julie is nodding her head. Yes, um, it's been a while since I've done a whole lot of work with that. So uh, hmm. there's all sorts of uh, references to Green Lantern in this, and that's in part because uh, either Joseph Malozzi or Paul Mully or both uh, are big fans of Green Lantern. Nice. There you go. So, during the filming, uh, Anna Louise Plowman, who plays Sarah and Osiris, uh, this mm-hmm. is when she uh, was Osiris and choking out Michael Shanks at the end of the episode, uh, mm-hmm. she actually caused him to pass out while she was really? strangling him. Yeah, she apparently was squeezing just a little bit too hard. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, I will add a, a, a point of... So, okay. Th- that is a good thing to know. All right. That will, that will reflect favorably on my... On my, on my comments. Okay, okay. Uh, and here is a quote from uh, Joseph Malozzi on this episode. This episode marked my first experience with the network's dreaded give-everything-away promos. In this case, the promo, not David's promos, because David's promos are awesome, but uh-huh. the, yes. the network's Agreed. promos, uh, included a shot of Osiris blasting our heroes, thus ruining the fourth act reveal of exactly who Osiris was. 
Dang. No kidding. Uh, it was a surprise ruiner of such epic proportions that it remained unrivaled for years. Interesting. Uh, well, then, David, I, if I was wearing a hat, I would be tipping it because your promo, I, I, I did not see that. I mean, when the twist happened, it happened. I'm like, oh, okay. But I did not see it. I, I, it was well done. Well done. Yep. All right. Uh, he also has a PS here, special mention to the German broadcasters that renamed the episode Forever in a Day. Share is tot, which is Share is dead. <laughs> and, and we've had conversations on how on the nose the, the German titles are. Yes. But yes. Yeah, and in that particular a episode, Forever in a Day, you know, that's sort of like uh, <laughs> pulling out the, the, the last you know act stuff and saying here you go here's how it is apparently apparently viewers in germany do not like surprises <laughs> apparently not. look look just tell me what this is about all right okay what's it? okay it's about sheree being dead all right okay here we go <laughs> there you go so um also the sand dunes that were used in this episode are the richmond sand dunes in british columbia uh, they've been used oh. several times in the series, uh, notably when they've shot the Tolker Desert scene so far. That's yeah. all been okay, at gotcha. the Richmond Sand Dunes. Um, nice. And there you go. Also, Michael Shanks was actually driving that Jeep around all over the place. Uh, he was also going very fast. The producers yes, and directors and everybody was, was saying... Um, just keep your hands and arms inside at all times and you'll be perfectly fine. The squeals and yelps from the two women were both excited and terrified at the same time. Did you, I mean, I didn't rewatch. There was a very specific spot. So, so Michael Shanks is driving this thing and he is going down that dune. It was a long shot. It was straight on that he's going yep. down the dune and then they hit that sort of flat side and the, I, and I was looking at it going, he nailed that thing. How, how on earth did they not have concussions after that? <laughs> like, he, it was hard. I was looking at that going like, that was, and I, and, and it just looked like there weren't, you know, it was, it was a close enough shot that it was like, I think that's Michael Shanks. So that it was like not stunt actors. So I was, yes, I'm glad that this is a piece of the trivia because that looked terrifying. <laughs> it looked like he almost lost control of that vehicle. <laughs> he did. It, it did look like that. Oh, sorry. Um, now we have the episode title in different languages. Mm -hmm. Uh, most of them are the curse in French, Spanish, Czech, Hungarian is the curse. Italian, they call it Isis's jar, uh, or the, the oh, vase uh, of yeah. Isis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the Germans call it, uh, the return of Osiris, <sighs> which, Germany. You know, I mean, although in this situation, the return of Osiris doesn't give away who Osiris is, and it doesn't take long fair. into the episode when you figure out that Osiris um, was coming back. Yeah, uh, but they just had everything part... to point towards um, Dr. Rayner instead of uh, Sarah. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. We'll get into it when we get into it. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, shall we head towards the synopsis then? Yes, let's do it. Here we go. Okay. A strange place. A strange canopic jar. Dr. Jordan and his assistant, Dr. Rayner. We have to get these things back to Egypt, 
but I don't want to. They're really cool, and I want to study them. Yes, yes, but they're not ours, and we have to give them back now. Still, we can at least scan the Osiris jar and see what's inside. Come on. Ooh, look shiny, a gold amulet. Maybe this will be important for the rest of the episode. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, carrying on. Okay, okay. Dr. Jackson (laughs) walks into the briefing room while O'Neill is reading a tabloid magazine. Apparently, Teal'c's into this kind of stuff. Jackson snatches the magazine out of the colonel's hands as he notices an article about an archaeology professor who's recently died in a lab explosion due to the curse of Osiris. Daniel heads to Chicago for the funeral of Dr. David Jordan. At the funeral, he meets up with old colleagues and friends, Dr. Stephen Rayner and Dr. Sarah Gardner. Stephen isn't so happy to see Daniel. Sarah seems pleased. With Daniel taking several days off while in Chicago, the rest of the SGC team gets some well-deserved time off. Sam once again is invited to go fishing with Jack. She declines, opting instead to work on the engine of her motorcycle. So Jack takes Tilk fishing with him. Now, just so you know, it's not so much about the fish as it is about the fish-ing. As they depart, O'Neill informs Hammond that they will be unavailable to anyone needing help. They'll be incommunicado. Well, actually, they'll be in Minnesota. Ah! I stand corrected. Back in Chicago, Sarah shows Daniel the many artifacts from the Stewart expedition, the artifacts rumored to be cursed, and which Dr. Jordan was studying before he died. The Egyptian government want them back. Jordan and his team were desperately trying to catalog the items before they're all shipped back to Egypt. Daniel offers to stay a few days and help them out. As she is showing off the artifacts, uh, Sarah notices that a gold amulet is missing. Could it be the one that Dr. Rayner picked up at the beginning of the episode? Yes, yes it could be. Daniel heads to the museum's storage facility looking for the amulet, but discovers that there was another item that they didn't have from the Stewart expedition, the Isis jar. The curator helps Daniel find this jar, which had simply been misplaced. But this jar is no ordinary canopic jar. This one is special. This one has Gua'uld writing on it. Ooh. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Daniel calls Samantha and informs her of his discovery. Why he does that, we don't know, but he does. He then calls Teal, who is fishing, to help with the translation. (laughs) The Gua'uld writing translates as banished to oblivion. Teal wonders if Daniel needs additional help. Jack snatches the phone away and chucks the phone's battery into the woods. They are fishing. Daniel brings the Isis jar with him back to the SGC for analysis. Understandable, but still curious as to how the heck you're going to explain that to the Egyptians. Still, the MRI of the jar reveals that there is a Gua'uld inside! Ah! (gasps) Despite the small Nakuda generator, though, that's in the jar, there is a broken seal on the jar, and that means a dead Gua'uld. Okay. Unfortunately... There is still another jar out there, the Osiris jar, ostensibly destroyed in the explosion that killed Dr. Jordan and a missing gold amulet. Daniel returns to Chicago to look for more information. In his search, Daniel and Sarah review Dr. Jordan's computer. 
Sarah finds a deleted email he received the night of his death. It reveals that the carbon dating analysis of the missing amulet showed that it was more than 10,000 years old, a discovery that lends credence to Daniel's theories. Stephen also received this email, and Stephen is missing. <laughs> Daniel is starting to put the pieces together and believes that Osiris may have taken Stephen as a host and subsequently killed Dr. Jordan as well as the curator of the museum and the technician who did the carbon dating analysis. He tells Sarah that Stephen is dangerous and bad. Daniel returns to the SGC and they immediately begin searching the globe for Dr. Stephen Rayner and they find him heading towards Egypt. Therefore, Carter, Jackson, and Dr. Fraser are all sent by General Hammond to Egypt in pursuit, incognito. In actually, in Minnesota. Well, in the, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Actually, in this case, it's Egypt. Yeah, yeah. Being portrayed right. anyway. At the temple, <laughs> Rayner uses the amulet to open a secret stash of ghoul devices, notably a hand device. Ooh! But before he can do anything with his revelation, he is attacked. Oh no! When no. Sam and Daniel and Janet arrive at the temple, they quietly enter. They have a dart gun with a tranquilizer darts in it, ready to knock out any ghoul wound they may encounter. But instead of a ghoul wound, they see Rainer lying face first in the dirt. He's badly injured, but he's not a ghoul wound. He just wanted to have the glory of making this discovery all on his own. But before anything else can be explained, the team is attacked by Sarah. Only she's not Sarah anymore. Was she ever Sarah? We're not really certain. She's Osiris. Osiris throws the team around like ragdolls. She tries to kill Daniel with her newly acquired hand device, but he's able to stab her with a trank dart. She stumbles back, tosses out cliche bad guy tropes, and returning one day to kill all of them and all that sort of stuff. Uh, she activates a ring transport that rings her to a pyramidal spacecraft that in which, with which she escapes the planet. She's out there, and we don't know where. Yeah, yeah. With nothing left to do about Osiris, the team departs to hopefully save Dr. Rayner and ponder what will happen next with... Osiris. Mm-hmm. The end. The end. So, Brent. Yeah. The curse. Mm-hmm. What'd you think? Uh, this one has more holes than Swiss cheese, and <laughs> it smells like some rotten Swiss cheese. It was, it. you know, uh, there were parts... Okay, so the things that I liked, I liked that... Uh, I like that the actress who played Sarah near the actually choked out Michael Shanks. I like that. <laughs> I, I like um, you like that one of the guest actors nearly kills one of the stars. Look, Wonderful. it made this episode interesting. All right, like, <laughs> like this one was not good. It was it was it was boring. Okay, so so here's um, what did I actually like about it? I actually did like. Uh, that we have created, uh, we've created a new bad guy, and the visual cues, um, for the ship looked sufficiently different that it makes me think it is like older technology, maybe, uh, mm -hmm. and therefore a piece of the overall story of the gold um which i like and uh the internal politics which you know the the story did kind of like thump it a little bit on the head but i didn't quite really hook 
on it when it was said about how um, Osiris and Isis were uh, banned or were ex, you know, were, 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 um, you know, he was telling the myth story and like, you know, they're banished. That's the word. They were banished. And uh, to oblivion, to to, to oblivion. Was it really said like that? Banished to oblivion. Uh, Anyway, that was what um, it was translated as that one phrase. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry, I derailed. No, it's okay because that it, it, it's on point. Um, banished, banished to oblivion. I forgot about that. Why? Because blah, what do you mean? Stuffing somebody in a jar is quote oblivion unquote. <sighs> Whatever. Anyway, um, so the other thing that I so now we're getting to this parts that I don't like. Um, and I'll go with the things that I actually don't like that could have been, um, just a little bit better handled that don't really have anything to do with the story necessarily. Um. Not a fan that this was a Daniel-centric story, and it was kind of bleh. Um, you know, it, it's okay that we got a Daniel-centric story. That's that's all right. It's okay that uh, Dr. Frazier gets off base and does some fun things. That's all right. Um, but we get, um, you know, we get Teal'c and O'Neill off in Minnesota for a little comic relief. But um, um, all right, there's that. Uh, and we get... Uh, we get Major Carter in, you know, a moment of like a little bit of information. Like she apparently likes to, she likes to work on her motorcycle with mm-hmm. some really low key help from from uh, Sergeant Siler. He <laughs> <laughs> was like clearly working on something, and she's like, "All right, thanks for your help." And he's like, "Yep, see ya," and he off he goes. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like that was a weird scene. And you're right. Why did he call? Why did Jackson call Carter? I mean, that one's not necessarily a like obviously flawed choice. I mean, it's just you know, it's fine. Like he's trying to just sort of piece some things together, and and I didn't quite appreciate the plot gap uh, until you were reading the synopsis. Yeah, I didn't see Sarah being Osiris coming until the end. Um, yeah, they did a pretty good job. And even when Rainer was like staring in wonderment at the little ghoul shooty device, mm-hmm. I was a little like, why? Why is he? Why is he so astonished? Like, I don't know. Has it been a while since he's seen one of these things? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, even then, I wasn't really catching on. And that might have right. been me just being an idiot. That's fine. I, I, I can accept that. Um, but according to the story as it was revealed at the end, um, Sarah was Osiris when she popped the cap on the jar that was destroyed in the natural gas explosion, which presumably she made a question mark, um, which implies that the top was broken before they were trying to investigate the contents. And I don't remember if that was explicitly said or not when uh, Dr. Professor Dude was examining the jar at the very beginning of the episode. Like, when they were looking at it, neither of them said, oh, look, the seal's broken. Like, right. you know, so that just feels like an oversight or a flaw or a gap or something that's just a little bit like, meh. I mean, I can ignore it because that wasn't deeply critical. But on the other hand, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, if you're Osiris, then you were the one who blew up the lab, and that means that that Osiris got into you before all this happened. And apparently, the well, I don't know. Actually, I was led to believe that the lab blew up as soon as the guy walked in, but maybe that's not true. I don't know. Um, so that's kind of weird pacing problems. And then, so 
And then there was something that was happening as I was watching the episode. Like the actor who was playing Sarah Gardner, was that her last name? Um Yeah, Anna Louise Plowman. She I don't know if it was bad directing or what, but it was just kind of wooden. It was just kind of not that engaging and certainly not that believable. Like her 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 emotional shifts uh, I don't know if it was bad writing or what, but like, you know, she was trying to be connected to Daniel in a way. And sure, if I'm looking at it through the lens of it actually wasn't Sarah, it was actually, you know, Sarah Osiris trying to pass it off as if her being Sarah, you know, then uh, then you can get into the realm of, okay, well, then I guess like her acting a little strange makes a little bit of sense. But then Daniel didn't react against it at all. There was no clue that this was a, uh, this was odd and unusual behavior. All I was left to believe was, yeah, all right, well, this is not exactly stellar acting, but okay, I'll deal. Um, and then at the end, I'm glad that you kind of wrote it up like, yeah, it was a whole bunch of bad guy tropes. Like, she had everybody on there just, like, gasping for breath in total command of the situation. She gets stabby-stabbied by a, a tranquilizer dart that doesn't seem to have any effect on her at all, but she beats a hasty retreat. So... Maybe there was an effect, or I don't know what, but it was real weird. It was really weird. Like, okay, now's so the time me, where she runs away. Let me spend a little time walking through what I think happens at the end there. Sure. Um, absolutely, there's, you know, the whole point where the bad guy has the good guy on the ropes, and all the bad guy has to do is just go click, and then the ba- the good guy is gone, and the yeah. bad guy wins, but then the yeah. bad guy spends a whole lot of time explaining how his grand plan works. <laughs> now, yes. this actually is a little bit different than that trope, in that keeping in mind that Osiris has uh, been out of the loop for 10,000 years. Mm-hmm. Um, Osiris being a ghoul is trying to get off the planet, trying to figure out, you know, take control, take power, whatever it is that, you know, ghouldy things. Um, (laughs) In that moment, every question that she asks there and that conversation she has with Jackson while the other two are unconscious uh, is all about information gathering. She, he is the only one she's met that actually seems to have information that is useful to her. And she, uh, gathers that information and so while it's still filled with a lot of tropes uh it makes sense to me from a story perspective at least because uh all of those are questions that provide her information that is valuable for her as she steps back out onto the uh plane of gold politics uh in that realm of things you know agreed agreed so that's all great as for the 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 dart, yeah, uh, clearly it wasn't as good as they were hoping because it didn't knock right. her out immediately. Right. Um, but then again, we've also seen aspects of this in other situations. Um, remember in the episode when Carter is taken over by uh, um, Jolinar, uh, mm-hmm. they stab her with a tranquilizer that's supposed to be strong enough to take down an elephant. And she mm-hmm. spends at least four or five minutes wavering back and forth a little bit or ignoring it before finally she begins to succumb to it. So there's something Mm, in this that even if it's a strong sedative, uh, but she knows immediately that something is not good. And so beating that hasty retreat makes a lot of sense for her in that moment because um, 
Yeah, the last thing any ghoul ruled in that situation wants to be is actually caught by the bad guy, if or by the good guy, if if she can escape, uh, especially if she knows she's got that cool little ship there hiding under the sand dunes. Um, I think it. that for me in this in this in this first watching of this particular story, that by the time that we got to minute thirty eight, where all this is being shaken out, um. The story has been so middling by this point that the interesting parts almost catch me by surprise. Or what do I say? I, I mean, let me rephrase that. Um, that you're right that that scene, if I think about nothing else except for that scene and ignore all the information that I got just before that particular scene, um, then it's not so bad. It's, it, it's not that bad. Um, We've got a new, we've got a new enemy, ancient, providing context for uh, the, the the group, the the bigger story, which is something that I like. Um, off they go, which is a cliche, but whatever. We don't have a television show if all the bad guys lose all the time, like every time. Um, and, and it also uh, fits and, the ghoul world because the ghoul world are cliche always. Fair, fair, yes, good point. Yes, good retort. And yeah, I mean, and the dialogue was not the, the worst. And, um, oh gosh, I really should, you, you mentioned her name once before. Um, looking at Sarah? Up, Anna Louise Plowman. That's Anna, who. Okay. And sh- in that moment, she plays a ghoul wool pretty much like uh, every other actor who has played a ghoul wool. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, that's a believable ghoul wool. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, not, that's not bad. Um, but by the time this happens, like I said, this is minute 38. I've just spent 30 odd minutes kind of bumbling along where the story is trying to get tense and it's trying to create a bit of a murder mystery. And it's 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 sending strong signals that uh, that that Rainer is the bad guy um, only to have a weird twist at the end. Right. So, again, if I'm only thinking of that scene in complete isolation, then Rainer, I don't know if Rainer is the bad guy or not. He's just, you know, unconscious on the floor, uh, you know, being a little foolish. Um, but the entire setup prior to this little, quote, twist is just kind of clumsy. And why? Oh, yeah, the other plot hole. Why did Osiris draw attention to the missing golden amulet? Oh, because Rainer did steal it and she did need it, I guess. Okay, all right. All right, that's not so that's not so bad. Um, but you know, if she's trying to be sneaky sneaky and she knows that that amulet is a piece of the tool, it's not so bad. Okay, all right. When I was first kind of thinking about it, I'm like, why did she call attention to that thing if she wanted to not, you know, like if she's trying to get off planet? Um, I forgot it was Rainer who took it, not her, cuz if she took it, then that, drawing attention to it is idiocy. Um, but that's not true. That's not how it happened. So, you know, indeed, she did need that tool, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you can hear me spinning the wheels a little bit, but that's because it yep. was not a particularly satisfying episode. There were just too many pieces of it that were just like, wait, what? Like, hmm. when the story was being told, it made a degree of sense. Then the twist happens. And now I have to go through the whole story and rethink through all the things that I had learned up until that point. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why did that happen like that? And that was kind of a weird way to do it. And this doesn't feel very particularly well thought out. You know, like there's just a whole lot about it. That's like, ugh. I don't mm. know. All right. So that's me going on a diatribe. What did you think about this one? Yeah. Well, 
Um, I think it's safe to say that I like this episode more than you do. <laughs> um, uh-huh. you know, it, um, I, I will agree that there are uh, times, especially early on in in the cemetery or you know the park, wherever they were, as they're walking around, uh, having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were scenes that I thought both the well all of the actors, but especially um, Rainer and and Sarah. Uh, were were a little bit wooden. Um, yes, I'll grant you that. Especially when when the, the that back and forth shot of when everybody is recognizing that everybody's there. Oh look, it's it's Rainer, and then it's Daniel, and then it's it's Sarah, and then it's Daniel. That scene the, just kind of felt kind of ping pongy uh, to me. I'll grant you that. <laughs> yes. Um. Uh. You know, as I was listening to the commentary, the the director and the other guys that they were talking to were, were talking mostly about the composition of shots um, and how yeah. easy it was, relatively speaking, to work with the actors. Um, so, you know, what you've got there is somebody who's used to taking camera shots and, yep. and doing that kind of art, directing the episode. And uh, so I can see where you're coming from there on, on some of those things. Um, I like the ending of this episode. I like, uh, I like the introduction of Sarah. Uh, I, I, I believe, you know, it is believable that Sarah and Daniel had a relationship in the past. Yes. Um, uh, the chemistry is good between those two actors um, on, on camera, I think. Um, so, you know, I kind of... I'll agree. It is a slow-paced episode. Um, it also happens completely on Earth. There's nothing off Earth yep. Yep. for this episode, which I don't have a problem with. I actually kind of like the idea of finding yep. ways to to have an episode that is entirely on Earth. Um, uh, I like that concept uh, in doing things like that. Uh, I liked the humor at the, the cabin up in Minnesota. That um, It was funny. I'll, yes, it so, was funny. Uh, you know that that's about all we got of Teal'c. Um, but uh, you know he's been Jack's been trying to go fishing since the beginning of the season, and now we're halfway through, and he finally gets to. So yay, mm-hmm. go on, good on you. You finally got to go fishing. Um, uh, so I appreciate that. Um, the elements, you know, as you were talking about this, and you're talking about the plot holes and whatnot. Uh, there, it is unclear how exactly the Osiris jar was opened and how uh, Osiris took control of Sarah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's never described. It's never talked about. Um, we do learn that uh, from the very beginning that uh, Dr. Rayner is and has always been in Jackson's shadow. Uh, and has felt some jealousy there, uh, and so now you've got some arrogance and some some uh, egotism coming out there, such that he's like, oh, uh, you know, at some point in time he figured out probably it came, presumably it came from that technician's email, uh, some other thing. He discovered that this amulet was a a lot older than everybody thought it was, mm-hmm. and b. Um, it's apparently some sort of key, 
that whole key in the ancient temple that opens up a secret trove of of uh, weapons is very tropey. Um, and and, and by trove, do you mean one? Trove, yes. There was one item. It was it. an entire plexiglass like shelving thing, beautifully shot, wonderfully lit, with literally one thing inside. <laughs> it's like did 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 grave robbers get to this beforehand? Like, which I'm purposefully teeing up as an idiot thing to suggest. Just anyway, right? Sorry, um, you were su- suffice to say, um, uh. You know, we we do have to suspend the disbelief as we would in so many other situations that how could something so technologically advanced actually stay hidden? And oh, by the way, we never really talked about there being a temple clearly to this, and yet now, uh, keep in mind these relics came from 1931, um, uh, and, and they're only just now coming to light because they got unburied from the sea, which actually is plausible. That makes at least some amount of sorta, except that delicate pieces of paper papyrus or whatever that are waterlogged wouldn't look like whatever anyway well carrying on we don't know most of what they saw there were the canopic jar the the man there weren't a whole lot of books there no but there were uh, some were there? and they were flipping through them mm-hmm. i mean not like books well, th- those no. are journals though those weren't th- no, those, were, talking, those were yeah she was flipping uh, through some artifacts that were not um water damaged Okay. And, it, and and they should have been, and that's okay. I'm just being a jerk. Like I, yeah. we can move. Like, to I don't say, need it to be like that. Um, you know the, I think you and I are noticing some of the same plot holes, mm-hmm. uh, but they never seem to bother me quite like they bother you, uh, which now makes me. <laughs> well, okay, not never, not never, but in this situation, they don't seem to bother me as they are bothering you. Um, I'm just a cranky old man, Zach. <laughs> You're younger than me. I want my stories to make sense. <laughs> Are you Penguin now? Yeah, yeah I guess so. <laughs> That's a different universe there. Yeah, t- uh, totally. Totally different universe. Huh. Oh. Channeling your inner Burgess Meredith. Oh, you you know, so I'm bagging on it, but I'm not actually going to be like in the onesie twosie zone for like for ratings here. It's just. I wonder if I rewatch it, if if some of the stuff that just felt a little bit see, there's a possibility that there was just it was just too subtle. Like that that is distinctly possible. Where mm. upon a rewatch, that subtlety is now plain and right. and interesting. That subtlety now becomes a very delicate touch of richness, which is which is nice. And it was just sailing over me as I was watching it because I, I, I didn't know that Sarah was going to be Osiris until the reveal happened. Um, and I know the story past mm-hmm. this episode. Mm-hmm. And so as, as you know, you and I generally more often than not agree on where an episode should fall more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you don't like an episode, I usually don't like the episode. If you like the episode, I also like the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we tend to fit that. And so if we get a situation like this where you're like, rah, 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 and I'm like, you know, I thought it was actually pretty decent overall. That makes me think, okay, um, is there something that I know from the future about these characters, about this storyline, how this fits into the whole grand story? Is that affecting my decision, my sure. thoughts on this episode? And 
I, I can't say there's not any because I know the story of what happens with Osiris well, sure. after this. Yeah. Uh, and so this becomes the episode where we are introduced to Osiris. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I, it's I bad. don't think that that is affecting it as, you oh, know, well, two things. my enjoyment of this as much as might be otherwise. First, this is our dang podcast. I mean, you can make whatever you can. You can give a rating in any for any reason you want. Like, well, okay, I've already figured out what my rating is going to be, and your babbling isn't going to change that. (laughs) So take that. (laughs) Gee, gee, Zach, don't don't sugarcoat it. Tell me how you really feel. I mean, okay, good, good. I'm glad that my babbling, <laughs> I'm glad that my babbling isn't going to change it. That's good. And, and also, you know, if you look at this episode, it, if, if Zach watching this episode gives it a, yeah, I don't know, I'm spitballing, gives it a five or a six or something, because you know that this is the launch point for blah, blah, blah story that is going to be great, whatever. Like, that's fine. And actually, that makes me feel better. Um, and... As we're talking it through, it is making me say to myself, okay, you know what? If I watch this episode one more time, which I'm not going to do because per our rules, I'm not going to do it. And also that we only going to rewatch if we, if enough people say rewatch it. But if I rewatch it, knowing the ending, and now I start watching Sarah's actions, knowing that she's Osiris this whole time and watching Gardner's actions, knowing that he is um, himself this whole time. Rainer, not Gardner. Oh, whatever. Rainer. Um, Gardner, Sarah. Sarah Gardner, okay. Gardner, Rainer, Rainer, Gardner, um, Roger, Roger, what's your vector, Victor? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, if I, if I rewatch it knowing everything, I bet you that it's probably not going to be so bad. If for nothing else, then I'd be able to retcon some of this stuff. Like, I'd be able to say, wow, that's kind of weird wooding acting and go, oh, it's because she's Osiris. She's trying to pretend like she's normal. Um, like, if for nothing else. Uh, maybe these plot holes that I think I see are actually not really as big of plot holes as I think they are. And they are more or less eloquently handled. Like, again, like I was mentioning, like, I thought it was implied that that opening shot in the evening when Professor So-and-so takes the jar off screen was the very same night that the lab blew up. Which is probably true. That's probably what the story wants me to believe. But it doesn't have to be. Like, them looking at the jar on screen and not saying, oh, that's weird. Notice that the seal is broken. Does not necessarily imply that they were idiots missing something. Maybe the time was not as tight as what I was thinking it was. Maybe that scene had taken place a day or two before the lab blew up. And in that moment, you know, in that interregnum, terrible word for that, but whatever, in the the middle... Uh, that's when the seal's broken. That's when Osiris gets out. That's when Osiris gets inside uh, Sarah Gardner and, you know, da 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 right? The whole thing. Right. Uh, supporting that that notion is uh, uh, a, a, I can't recall exactly what scene it was, but there was a, there was a, there was a, there was something that happened. Oh, maybe it was when the curator died and within a, two scenes, Jackson is talking about like the conclusion of the investigation, like bricks from the top or whatever. And they found a thing and apparently that's what happened. I can't remember who was saying it, but, and I think that that was a moment where I was like, well, that 
that was a weird amount of time. Like that's something that takes longer than just like an afternoon to figure out. Um, so, you know, there's already a bit of a clue that the amount of time that's being spent in this episode is a bit longer than like, you know, one day, you know, a couple of days. Uh, well, also, you know, he takes at least two flights. Right. Uh, yes. You know, he flies to Chicago, then he flies back to Colorado, and then he flies yep. back to Chicago, yep. and then he flies back to Chicago, or to Colorado, and then they fly to Egypt. Yes. So, there's yeah. some time happening here. Yes. Yeah. And maybe there weren't, you know, maybe the, maybe that is a directing flaw, because me, the viewer who's just kind of, is paying attention, but, you know, like, I'm watching a, I'm watching a television show, um... I wasn't following it that tightly. I didn't mm-hmm. appreciate that, you know, and then time elapsed, um, which would help me sort of stitch together the story in a little bit more of a cohesive way. But yeah, yeah. I will say if there is one plot hole that really rankles me in this episode, mm-hmm. it's, it's that uh, um, the tabloid that starts us all off oh, says yeah. that he, it, he died. And yes. apparently... That tabloid was published and produced, you know, written, published, produced, and sent out prior to the funeral. Well, yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. And and the, um, you know, I mean, if this were a daily newspaper, that might be one thing, but a tabloid tabloid. article, (laughs) that is the spot that I'm like, that's a good point, and 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 for I'll, no reason, I'll, I'll own that one. Come, the you only know, reason that they have a tabloid magazine is to make a crack about teal clanking tabloids, and to and, and es- the horoscopes, and the horoscopes, and to establish the curse of Osiris as as a thing to pay attention to, and they right. want to put that in a crackpot newspaper because it's a crackpot explanation. But you can you can offer the curse of Osiris in any number of vocalized ways that don't require ink on paper. Like, <laughs> you don't need to put it in a tabloid. Yeah. Um, so that spot there does rankle me a little bit. Yep. Um, because that that kind of continuity doesn't make sense to me, um, that it would move fast enough that, that he Ooh. would be able to, you know, he wouldn't have already missed the funeral. I've got uh, an and then if you played fact. it that way, though, that he shows up later after the funeral has happened, you know, a week, two weeks, whatever it is. Sure, 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 sure. And they're still dealing with whatever it is that they're dealing with. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with that. It's just that timeline there yep. doesn't work for me. Um, so that that is a, a place where I, I would definitely uh, agree with you wholeheartedly on the, the, the plot hole and inconsistencies there. I have a retcon The other ones I'm not as, as big a deal on. So we are complaining about a timeline issue that seems to be a little bit funky. But True. the most obvious reason how this is all happening in a way that makes consist- consistent sense is time dilation. <laughs> no, it's Clearly. not time dilation. It's, it's magnets. Ma- magnets. Magnets. Gotcha. Yeah, no, this. The, you're right. The timing is... And I think... I think that is probably a directing fault because I doubt it if, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I doubt it if the story said, reading a tabloid, blah, blah, blah happened. The next day, Daniel is at a funeral. Like, I don't think that the story would say that and maybe not even the teleplay. 
but I don't know about that last one. Maybe the teleplay would be like, you know, O'Neill reading a tabloid, blah, 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 right? You know, like that, that maybe the teleplay uh, did I, kind I of specify like that. I suspect the teleplay actually did have tabloid in there. I think that's... All right, well, then, yeah, then it's teleplay and not directing, but um, yeah. But I, I think, I, I would say that overall, you are looking at, you know, this is Andy Makita's second directing yeah. gig that was, um, yep, that's what I was implying. For this yep. series. And if I didn't look this up, but if I remember correctly from when we did Foothold, I think this was actually his first, and Foothold was his first directing gig, period. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, and since he's been working more or less full-time on Stargate in other production avenues uh, around the filming and, and such, uh, it would not surprise me if this is his second directing gig, Period. Yep. And, you know, as somebody who has directed community theaters a few times, um, you know, it, it takes a while before you figure out exactly what you're doing, even if you've seen it done a hundred times. Sure. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to throw the guy under the bus at all. I just, you know, yeah. this Brent's first watching of this episode. Meh. All right. So, Brent. Yeah. Are we ready for our Chevron ratings? Yeah. Then hit me up. All right. Tell me what your Chevron rating is for The Curse. So I gave away that I'm not going to give it a one or a two. I, a one would be brutal. <laughs> That's just rude. <laughs> a one would be rude. Is it Emancipation bad? <laughs> yeah, no, it is not Emancipation bad. Not even close. Um, two is also just not. No, we're not talking like two here. Right. I, I'm going to give it three, though. I'm going to give it three out of seven Chevrons. Um, uh, I think that if I rewatch it again, I will give it more. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with that. I would be able to justify some of the things that I didn't like watching this time around without knowing the stuff that I know at the end, that beginning and middle were just kind of weird and flawed and clumsy and not inspired. And, you know, it would just kind of, ugh. and mm. the acting was, fine you know even though you know michael shanks's acting wasn't all that great as as it was going on i was like why is he acting so weird like and, and we didn't really even talk about it and maybe this is we're, we're, we're too far gone to really kind of bring it back up but you know it didn't look like Michael was putting a lot of work into it. That's just kind of what my takeaway. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but when I was watching, it was like, meh, he's, he's, he's not really that into it. And then, you know, Richard Dean Anderson and Christopher judge are off, you know, they got these, they shoot their four scenes and then they're, they're, they're done. Um, you know, Amanda tapping and, uh, uh, Terrell Rothery have, you know, a bit more screen time, but then they're done. You know, this really is a Daniel show and that's all right. And he just didn't seem like he was that into it. I don't know why, but, this wasn't that good. Yeah. So yeah, three, three out of seven for me. Three out what of about seven. What about you, Zach? Well, um, when you were kicking around where I was going to put this, um, you know, to me, uh, this is in that five to six range for me. Uh, sure. I think that the the story, uh, there are some plot holes. Um, you know, I, I will acknowledge at this point in time that. Uh, uh, my enjoyment of this episode has put on some blinders regarding some of the, the woodenness of the acting that you mentioned, uh, but uh, not so much that I can't recognize that it exists as well. Sure. Um, so uh, I said that I had this idea in my head of what I was going to rate this, and uh, I do, and so I'm going to yep. stick with it. And yes, yeah. I give this a five and a half. Five and a half. It's, it's not 
so good to be nearing the top with a six. Um, but, uh, you know, but five feels too small. So sure. there you go. Five and a half. And I will absolutely admit that the last couple of minutes did make me feel excited. Like that last little reveal was something I'm like, all right, okay, okay, all right. Where are we going to go with this one? Like that one was all right. Okay. So are you ready to hear what other people say about this episode? Uh, yeah. Uh, am I ready? Hmm. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. Um, I got a feeling that um, so, I'm going to be uh, in the minority. Julie yeah. says, this is a hard one to predict. Mm. She guesses Zach will give it four and a half and Brent a four. Pretty close. Yeah. And to okay. which Nick responds, you know them both and you can't predict what hope <laughs> the rest of us have. <laughs> Decent, decent um, points. <laughs> Julie responds to say, we all know Brent's rating is modified by mood and Zach's by nostalgia. So since I don't discuss it with them in advance, I only have a slight advantage. And Nick <laughs> says, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Nick and then apparently I'm gives feeling his cr- own cranky. predictions yeah. and uh, says, I'm going to give it a four and a half and you will mm-hmm. give it a five because... As Brent becomes more of a fanboy, he has uh, been rating episodes higher than Zach. That, y- yeah, yes, yeah. yes. I have also noticed that trend as well. I am like l- l- willing to rate things better than what I probably should <laughs> in certain cases. Oh, but, uh, just but, yeah. let it go. Just do it. Just do it. All right. We're just do it. Let's see here. All right. Here are some more predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have JD. Hi, J.D. Oh, I forgot to say hi to Nick and Julie before. Okay, hi, J.D. Okay, J.D. says, love this one so much. Really? From both possible seven from both possible (gasps) 7.5 from Zach. Okay, J.D., you've got some explaining to do. And I'm not not being trite, like, for real. Oh, does he get into it? No, nope, he doesn't say anything. Okay, homework assignment, J.D., you got to... You got to tell me more. Okay. I am deeply interested in your opinion on this one, and I'm not being silly. Okay. Kimberly says, uh, great episode. We dig into Daniel's backstory. We set up so much for the future. Six chevrons for both of us. I, okay. 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 If I'm so putting those, I, those glasses on, I can see that. Yes. Okay. Uh, and Jacqueline. Oh, yeah, says, hi Jacqueline. Hi Kimberly. I already said hi. Uh, yeah. Again, this is another episode that I really, really enjoy. I like how mm-hmm. the storyline stays on Earth, but has the team yeah. situated in different locations and away from the SGC slash NID slash the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. I also like how it gives us some more insight into Daniel's past, but what will forever be one of my favorite moments of this episode is the fishing scene with Jack and Teal <laughs> at the cabin. <laughs> Um, I'm going to predict six out of seven chevrons for both Zach and Brent. Oh, wow. Boy, I'm disappointing a lot of folks today. And Isaac says... Hi, Isaac. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. That's all he says. That's all he says? (laughs) That's all he says. Um, Now, we do have three predictions that came in over email. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So, the first one is from Arnacht. Hello, Arnacht. Arnacht says, The Curse is a good episode. It doesn't have too many plot holes. 
It clearly mm. introduces a new major villain in yes. the body of someone who actually matters as a non-host. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Huh. Um, I didn't even think of that. You know, I mean, the fact that... So here's one of the things I do like about this episode is that uh, it is believable and established in this episode that Sarah and Daniel have a past. Yes. And uh, it now ish introduces a bad guy. Yes. Osiris, who is in the body of someone that we care about and value, uh, frankly, in my opinion, even more so than we ever did uh, with Share. I mean, Share was Amonet. Mm. Oh, that's terrible. We don't. That's that's awful. We want her to be saved. Oh, she didn't get saved. Drat. You know. Same with Chlorel. Oh, you know, we like Scara. Oh, that darn Chlorel. Yeah. We want him to be saved. And oh, oh, hey, look at that. He's saved. Wahoo. Um, those are great. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, this introduces something that's a little bit different than those. And so I do like that. I didn't actually mention that. But, yep, absolutely, gotcha. Arnacht. I agree with you on that 100%. Um, da, 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 da. It has a general good plot and premise. I predict that Zach will give it five and a half chevrons. Ooh, and Brent right will on give the money. Six. Yeah, not so much. So, right on the money for me, Arnacht. Yep. Uh, Brent really did not like this episode. So, Nah, I didn't. Okay, we have two more. We have David. Okay. Hello, David. David says this is a canopic jar buffer. Okay, <laughs> I love the I way like he his does buffers. That. Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> a nice change of pace, he says. An interesting look at Daniel's life before the Stargate and the introduction of a new Gould baddie. Sure, the episode yep. contradicts, contradicts existing timelines, canon, and Egyptian mythology, but it's not the first nor the last time that this happened. None of that affected my enjoyment of the episode, and as a Good. rewatcher, reading online extended universe materials explains away a lot of the issues without spoiling. Sorry, ah. right? As a character piece, it may be slow in action, but it's a good and important story. Brent's been ranking episodes kind of high lately, maybe too yep. high, but I think he will yep. give this one six chevrons. Nope. Zach will <laughs> give it five and a half, because while good, there's a lot of contradictions with real-world timelines that bother him. Well, interesting that we kind of switched uh, switched roles on that one. Yeah. Me. Well, it was me I mean, that was being all jerky. Yeah. Um, Although I kind of just vaguely called you a jerk. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said you babbled earlier. So. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're just we're just laying it all out here. <laughs> you know, we really do like each other, people. We really do. It's very true. It's very true. This is half the reason why we're able to talk for a long time. A long time. Uh, okay, yeah. one more prediction from Caleb. Okay. Hey, Caleb. The Caleb. The Caleb. <laughs> the Caleb. Hmm? It says the curse. I just can't read. The <laughs> we got yeah. an email from uh, Curse. Hi, Curse. The Caleb. <clears throat> the Curse is a curse. great episode. It had really? great mystery and suspension uh, with a reveal. Yeah. Yes. They did a great job setting up Dr. Rayner as being most likely the ghoul. Yes. And we get to meet an old flame of Daniel. Yeah. The cargo ship was intriguing. Maybe an older model. Who yeah. Knows? Yeah. 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 I agree. Um, and a lot more to come of Osiris. Mm -hmm. uh, I can re read that here because I already told you that we will see Osiris again. Yes. Caleb predicts that you and I will both give this episode seven chevrons. Wow. Wow. So... You bagging on this episode seems to be um, not uh, typical. 
not on average. Super interesting. Now, one thing that people were saying over and again, yeah, was they were talking about how they really liked seeing a little bit more about Daniel's origin, like, you know, having a little more background about Daniel. And um, I did not find it that intriguing. And that's curious to me. Not, 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 there's no value judgment on this one at all. Like, I'm not saying, all right, it's dumb and you should feel like it's dumb. Um, not at all, but it's just, it, I'm glad to hear that people are like, yeah, I wanted to see more about Daniel's or, you know, background. And I got a lot of information about that. It was just true. It just felt a little, I don't know. It just felt, I got to brew on that one a little more. I got to brew on that one a little more. Well, perhaps we'll get enough votes that you can do a rewatch. Maybe so. To be fair, Brent, you are allowed to do a rewatch for whatever you want. The, no, the votes not. will simply uh, open us up to actually producing a new podcast on the rewatch. While I understand what you're saying, you seem to forget one of my personal rules in life. Well, I only I'm ever watch your anything. Rule is once. wrong. <laughs> So take that. <laughs> so take that. Oh, it has been taken. Okay. Okay. So wow. the next right. episode, Brent. Yeah. Is entitled The Serpent's Venom. Mm-hmm. And I ask you, what is The Serpent's Venom all about? All right. I think I know. Okay. So this is going to be a half serious, uh, half serious uh, prediction here. So you ready? Okay. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel to the gate to find themselves in a strange world. However, they are dismayed to find that this strange world is yet again another area where our most favoritist, terriblest bad guy who makes no sense being the worst bad guy in this universe, but somehow is, Apophis <laughs> is there. And he has finally collected his mega ships and his big army and his his other his other ship that no that was going to take like a hundred thousand years to get there okay he's he's finally collected his force and he is ready to strike he has in fact entrapped sg1 into his best most divine plan that he has ever come up with and now it is time to unleash his venom join us next time on stargate sg1 the serpent's venom Ah, well, okay. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating. Uh-huh. Uh, there, there, you are 100% right that we will be seeing Apophis again in this episode. Yay-ish! I really like watching <laughs> Peter Williams. I am not kidding on that one. Yep. That is very enjoyable. The okay. character of Apophis is a trope. But anyway. Shall we watch the promo? And see what this episode is all about. Yes. Okay. I am hitting go now. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Currently, Hero Earth is allied with the System Lords against the Apophis. Or so the System Lords presume. Exactly. An alliance between Apophis and Hero Earth could overwhelm all the other System Lords combined. A deadly alliance threatens the balance of power in the galaxy. Our spies believe that Apophis has agreed to the meeting because he is willing to use such an alliance to topple the system lines. Well, that's bad. But unknown to Stargate Command. Ooh, deal, Kesem. Oh, no. Catch. That's pretty bad. And everything they're fighting for hangs in the balance. Oh, nothing, nothing. Satisfaction. 
unfortunately died. These ones. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. With Teal being used as a pawn, will the Tok'ra yeah, and an SG-1 yeah. be able to prevent this unholy And yeah, we're not talking alliance. about a boss, Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It's all next time on the Stargate SG-1. Including oh. the big ship. Was that the big ship? I think that was the big ship. Sure. We'll call it the big ship. The big ship. Well, all right, then. All right. So that was the Serpent's the Venom. The Serpent's Venom. And you know what? Actually, they did get trapped, didn't they? I did all right. That was an okay prediction. Yeah. Like, I didn't say you were wrong. No, 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 no. You know, but... You know, am I am I you glad to see the details back? wrong? But but you know, I'm, I I could I I would be better. You know what? It, it would be I would find it. I would find great delight in finding ways to get Peter Williams back in the show somehow. That that I that that me, meant that I never saw Apophis again ever. I'd be mm. all right with that. I would be totally fine with him just disappearing off of the face of the story with no explanation. Ah, well, okay. That's how I feel. Okay. <laughs> That is a legitimate uh, opinion. and That's a legitimate feeling there. Okay, yeah. So you are welcome to that perception. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, again, thank you very much for David for producing yeah. that promo for us. Uh, Absolutely. I will try to do uh, better at uh, getting that promo onto the Facebooks. Um, Thanks for doing that, Zach. Or, I, around I the time that uh, Brent uh, uploads this and releases this episode, I'll try to do that at the, more or less the same time. We'll see if I can actually get that done. Um, and uh, Brent, you're certainly welcome to toss that promo onto YouTube. Or not YouTube. Gosh, it's already on YouTube. <laughs> I'm uploaded <laughs> onto YouTube. Uh, onto Twitter. There. Yeah, that's I suppose the word I should I'm do looking. that, yeah. I, yeah. All right. So uh, tell us what you think, dear listeners, about this episode, The Curse. Uh, Brent was ragging on it pretty hard. Oh, yeah. Uh, many of you thought this was a great episode worthy of seven chevrons for a lot of you. Yes. Uh, Brent, I suffice it to say, I... did not give it that high. So tell us in more detail, please. For, uh, what for was real. it about this episode that you loved uh, that made this episode uh, much better than what Brent thought it was? Uh you know, tell us why Brent is wrong because that's, yeah, basically, you know, that's okay. Brent, you are still, you have every right to your perception. Oh, oh, and dude, hey, let's be frank. I'm wrong every day. I'm wrong about different things all the time. It's fine. Do I want to change my rating? No, I don't. Not at all. But I definitely want to hear why people are like, this is a really good episode. Like, I want to hear that. I want to know. Indeed. 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 So uh, let us know. You can do that by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. You can uh, talk to us on Twitter at Stargate Walking. You can uh, find us on Facebook at the Walking Through Stargate Facebook page and Facebook uh, group. Mm -hmm. And let us know all of these fun things uh, so that we can convince Brent that uh, three might be a little low. Or not. Meh. Whatever. Meh. Just have fun. You know, talk about things. That's what we're about. That's so, it, yes. Uh, yes. So with that, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.